It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills on the mic. Going all the way up until 7 o'clock today on this 10th day of June. 6.06 on the clock and currently 74 degrees. And is it raining? Is it lightning? Is it, I don't know what's going on with the weather out today. You know, when I woke up, it was maybe a little bit cloudy. And then, you know, coming out to work, now it's torrential downpour. That was the same downpour that delayed the Cincinnati Reds, you know, maybe about 30 minutes or so. And uh, then it got back to being sunny outside. And now it's, you know, lightning. And now I don't even know what I'm looking at out the window. I got clouds, I got sunshine, whatever it is. It's been a crazy, crazy Thursday, but thanks for coming into the Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting, and of course, our phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. Lots to get into in the program today. Uh, two Reds games to discuss, right? You had the late night game last night for the Cincinnati Reds. Not too late. It's not a West Coast game, but still a, a, a later game that started at 6.40 that cut the program short yesterday. And then, of course, the Cincinnati Reds today dropping a 7-3 to uh, decision or a 7-2 to decision uh, yeah, earlier yeah, going into the uh, Classic Caravan with, uh, with, with Sky Hope because that game got delayed a little bit. But, uh, again, Milwaukee 7, Cincinnati 2. Uh, Sutter got the win, and Luis Castillo suffered his ninth loss of the year. But I want to get off on the sports fan to a, a more positive note, right? Because yeah, I'm always the, the positive guy. Joey brings me down to earth, and Joey's not with us on the program J- today. He'll be back next week. I had to go back to Baltimore for a, uh, an exciting uh, reason, and I'll let him share that on Monday if he chooses to do so. But you know, I'm happy for him and his family on the uh, you know, occasion for why he's traveling back, so it should be exciting for him uh, when he returns and if he decides to share. But... Uh, yesterday, it was a Cincinnati Red 7-3 to win. And on the program, we were talking about how Vladimir Gutierrez had a big opportunity against a team that was leading the NL Central and is still leading the NL Central in the Milwaukee Brewers. And Gutierrez goes the longest that he has in an outing so far in his now three starts. And he has also gone and uh, had, a, had a career high in strikeouts with seven. His ERA is at 2.65. And I think the Reds might have a little bit of something with this kid. Because Gutierrez pitched out of trouble. He kept the Reds in the baseball game. And he was able, again, to go the distance and give that bullpen, which has been stressed so much, and it has underperformed by a, a good degree, too. He can't keep that part out of it. But I mean, Gutierrez did something that starting pitchers for the Reds that, you know, really haven't been able to do, which is, you know, go the distance and pitch, you know, quality innings for the Reds. I'm sure you've had a couple, Malley, uh, you know, uh, and Miley both uh, doing well, and, and uh, you know, Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. I mean, those guys have been, you know, okay, and they've experienced the highs and the lows so far in the early portion of the season. But you get this Gutierrez kid. And he goes in his three starts. He had the Cubs, he had the Cardinals, and then he had the Brewers. Loses to the Cubs. Gives up only one earned run. 
wins against the St. Louis Cardinals, gives up two earned runs, and then does even better last night against the Milwaukee Brewers, going seven and only giving up two earned runs. And he was finally able to you know, distinguish a little bit more between you know, his, his walks and his strikeouts because they've been kind of even over the pers- uh, his first two starts. You know, two walks, three strikeouts, three walks, three strikeouts. But then last night he goes three, uh, three walks and seven strikeouts. So he's getting a little bit more better command, and he's able to get the Milwaukee pitchers, uh, Milwaukee hitters to chase the ball a little bit better. You know, I was watching him pitch a little bit, and during his seven strikeouts, you know, he's got a fastball that maybe rides around 94, 95 miles per hour. So he's not a, a power pitcher per se. You know, 95 plus. I'd say is a uh, is a power pitcher, but what I would say is that this kid has some nice off speed movement, especially his curveball. He had a lot of chases on the curveball, and he was able to throw it for strikes. Seventy seven miles per hour on the curveball, a vast difference from what his fastball was, but the difference is he's been able to locate it. He's been able to consistently locate it, and he was able to get Brewers. To swing and miss, uh, and that was a key in yesterday's game. And it looked like, and I'll, I'll talk about today's game. I mean, if you were listening a couple hours ago, I mean, you heard all about today's game, right? And, and today's game did not go the way of the Reds. And today's game uh, was kind of contrast to what the Reds did yesterday. So I like to keep it with the good. First, we'll talk about what that happened after. And then, of course, uh, the big news, I guess, today is that there's uh, it's been confirmed. It has been said that the college football playoffs, the organizing group, and this is just the preliminary talks, but they are going to officially propose that the CFP expands from four teams to 12 teams. And I'd like to get some phone calls on that, you know, a little bit later in the show. And just, yeah, you know, what what is your what is your thought? I mean, do you want to see the the college football playoffs expanded? Do you think, finally, for the first time, that a group of five team will be in the playoffs? And we'll talk all about that coming up. Um, but it was such a, a good good game yesterday for the Reds, and it was a. Um, you know, they, they just have not been able to get to 500. Right? I mean, it, they've just been a little bit under. They came within one game yesterday, and then they went back to two games under. But in yesterday's game, you saw the return of Joey Votto. Votto picked up a hit, got an RBI. Uh, his contributions have been missed. And even if he is batting 217 right now, Vado puts together quality at-bats. He's able to put the bat on the ball, even if it's an RBI ground out. Puts the ball in play, makes things happen, and was a key part in yesterday's win. It was also good to see, as always, Castellano has become that MVP caliber player this year. Jesse Winker is that MVP caliber player. And I don't think they're receiving the uh, the notoriety that they should at this point in the season. I mean, you got the two best 
hitting players in all of baseball, and they're on one team, and they're just not getting the, uh, the love that they deserve. But Winker and Castellanos have been key so far to the Reds' success. However, it is a team that still needs help from other spots. But yesterday again, Cincinnati 7, Milwaukee 3. The Reds were able to get things done a little bit uh, without even using the long ball. Yeah, he had doubles. He had Akiyama on the base paths. He had uh, you know, Jonathan India with an RBI and a hit. Winker contributing. Castellanos contributing. Tyler Stevenson contributing. Yeah, if those top guys in your lineup are able to continue doing what they're doing throughout the rest of the season, then it's just focusing on trying to get better pitching. And whether they can trade somebody or call somebody up in their farm system, I don't know. But I would say that where the Reds are at this point, they're not out of it. And I think that they should continue to put their foot on the pedal and try to keep on going. I think that the Reds, because you saw in this series, right? I mean, it was not the series that you were probably hoping for. You lost two of the games to the team that's in front of you, and you never want to lose a series. However, what you have to do now is just continue to move on and get better. And you have a Colorado Rocky team right now that's going to be tomorrow's game. And in that game, I mean, you gotta you got to beat the Rockies, right? I mean, you got to beat the weekend series. you got to take care of teams that are way under 500. Colorado has been out of it. And I even think their star shortstop in Trevor Story is still injured. So right now, I mean, it was a very good series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Swept them in St. Louis, first time since 1990. You had an okay series. Now against the Milwaukee Brewers. It, it, it was really, I like that they won yesterday's game because they did not get swept by the Brewers after, you know, getting all that momentum that came from the St. Louis series. So you come in, you're feeling good, all right, you drop two to the, to the team that's ahead of you, but you still got that one game. And in that one game, you saw a rookie, a guy who does not have a whole lot of experience in his third Major League start, Basically shut down that right. He gave up two runs. But the way that the Reds' offense has been going, you can give up two runs and still be okay and still want to go out there and, and, and pitch your best, and that's what he did. He fought. He located the curveball, and he, uh, he threw a couple of fastballs in there at 94 and got Milwaukee to chase. That was key. But a very good game yesterday. Not so good of a game today. Things are going the way of the Reds all the way up until the fifth inning. They score one in the fifth. They take the lead, two to one. And the sixth is where things unraveled. Do you leave Castillo in there to try and, and limit the damage? Potentially. Right? I mean, Lucas Sims did not. I mean, it's, it's a blown save for him. He has been up and down this season. And it's a uh, you know, difficult way to try to manage the bullpen when you don't know who's going to be reliable on what day. 
Goudot came in. He's got a 2.57 ERA. You have T.J. Antone, who's been consistently good, but that's just two relievers out of your bullpen that can give you a shot. It's either give up one run or no runs. And they're outing. We'll talk a little bit more about today's game, and I probably heard a bit a little bit earlier today. That game started at 12:05, uh, at least for a, a broadcast time, and uh, didn't start, I guess, until 12:35. Um, that was first pitch, and uh, it was a, a day full of baseball right here at 970 WATH. We'll continue the baseball talk coming up, as well as the college football playoffs, as uh, they plan. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year, but they are planning on expanding the playoff, the amount of teams in the CFP, and I for one, think that that's a good idea, because I am a proponent of these uh, group of five schools getting a shot to get into the postseason, but we'll talk about it all coming up. This is the Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting on 970 97.1 FM WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Quality. You hear that word a lot in commercials, but there's one business in town whose quality and prices are unsurpassed. I'm talking about Minuteman Press on Washington Street right next door to the Donkey Cafe. Uptown. You see, Minuteman Press is a hybrid. First, it's a full-service sheet bed press where they can create great art to meet your needs that the other places are simply unable to do. And they're also a complete copy shop as well. Minuteman Press on Washington between Court and Congress. 593-7393. That's 593-7393. Local teams. Local opinions. The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Back inside for the Sports Fan. 970 97.1 FM WATH. Mills the mic up until 7 o'clock. All right, here at Classic Hits, 970 WATH. Again, sports fan presented by JNK Contracting. And today's game for the Cincinnati Reds and Milwaukee Brewers, this game was okay up until the sixth inning. And in that sixth inning, Castillo was cruising. He was looking good, and then he wasn't. But it was really just a breakdown in that, in that sixth. And it, it's been encouraging the way that Castillo has pitched over the last couple of games. You know, I always try to look for that positive. But uh, really for Luis Castillo, uh, it is what it is. He, he pitched well through five, got into trouble, and just could not work out of that trouble once he got into that sixth inning. And I know the... Um, Trying to get a, a play-by-play of the uh, of that sixth inning, but uh, point is, I mean, Lucas Sims is brought in there to try to clean up the mess, right? If I can remember off the top of my head, 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, Tommy, Cro- uh, Tommy Thrall calling the, the strikeout on a nice changeup pitched by Castillo. And at that time, I believe the Reds were still winning the game. They were still winning at 2-1 at, uh, in the sixth. And then Dave Bell brings in Lucas Sims, and Sims gives up a long, long double. And that double hurt him. And that double allowed for a lot of guys to score in that, uh, again, in, in that inning. But if you take a look at the top of the sixth, right, uh, Luis Aguirre strikes out swinging, then it's a walk, then it's another walk to Yelich. You got two men on. Avisal Garcia strikes out swinging, and that's the, uh, that's the strikeout that I'm talking about. So you get two outs in the inning as Castillo went five and two-third. But then you make the pitching change. And Sims replaces Castillo. And then Willie Adams hits the ground rule double, which scores Voldebach and then keeps Christian Yelich at third. And then after that, Jace Peterson singles. Willie Adams scores. And then gets out of the inning, uh, getting Manny Peanut to strike out swinging. Now, if I'm... David Bell in that sixth. I don't think I pull my starting pitcher at that point. I get it. He walked a couple of guys. He got a huge strikeout. A momentum was on his side. I mean, maybe he wanted to pull him when he was feeling good. Maybe he wanted to just take him out on a high and and thinking that Lucas Sims could get that last out. But I I would keep Castillo pitching in that situation, let him get out of that inning and, and put up, you know, six strong innings. So what? He walked a couple of guys. I mean, I don't know what you know, his pitch count when he got pulled for Castillo was at 96 pitches, right? So what's the danger of allowing him to pitch to one more guy, one more batter, to allow him to try to work out of that inning by himself? You know, try to get cute with the pitching change a little bit, and it hurt him. It burned him. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you walk Yelich, you walk Voldebach. And they both come in to score. Now, it's... It was a, a good game up until that sixth to where you got the three runs that, that were scored, and then things kind of just tumbled from that point on. Doolittle came in, pitched an inning, gave up two runs. Warren came in, pitched an inning, gave up a run. Goudeau comes in, Gives up two hits, a walk, strikes out one, but doesn't allow anybody to score in the bottom of the ninth inning. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if uh, T.J. Antone was available. And you can't bring in, I know uh, the Cowboys talking about bringing in Antone for a certain situation to allow for, uh, you know, give him a couple more innings. And then he was talking about how, you know, Lucas Sims was warming up and, and getting in the game. And, you know, for that certain situation, you know, Sims, who can only go maybe about an inning, it's not a, the worst idea in the world you know, to bring in the guy and save Antone for another situation. But you know, it was the wrong guy to bring in. And I'm looking at that through 2020 lens, right? I know what happened, and I can see that he gave up those two hits, and he caused, you know, the, the uh, two runs 
because two of those runners that he inherited were charged to Castillo. So Castillo's you know, ERA kind of jumped a little bit going in or coming out of that game. But it's... You know, Sims just didn't get the job done, and, uh, and, and that's all right. But we got a caller on the sports fan. Caller, you are live. Well, I know this always comes up on these sports fan shows when it comes to this topic, but, you know, when do we say sooner, you know, sooner or later, David Bell's got to go. Um, you know, I just, I don't think he's a very good manager. And we've got one of the most talented teams in the league, and stuff like this keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, the management of the bullpen, I think, has been spotty. But the bullpen also, who do you rely on? I mean, if, if you're David Bell, you're flipping a quarter every day to try to figure uh, yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean, it's like, which, you know, when you look at your options there, and you think, well, like you were just saying, uh, what's my better option, leaving Castillo in and trying to fight this way out of this inning or bring in one of these clowns out of the bullpen that, you know, you know they're going to give up five or six runs before the end of the game just like they did. And it, how many times has it got to happen before we probably ought to look at someone else in the management level? And, you know, maybe management, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the manager could be on the hot seat. Um, you know, at least warm. At least, yeah. at least a little bit warm. <laughs> It you is know? warm, but uh, I know it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a common topic on sports talk shows. But in this case, I think it's really relevant. I think that David Bell, they, we should probably be looking at someone else. Right? I oh, mean, I miss Dusty Baker. Yeah, I saw somebody <laughs> tweet know? out on Twitter, and they said, you know, the the biggest mistake that the Reds made over the last couple of years was firing Dusty Baker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're going to do it, and then I hear these rumors that Castellanos is going to be traded. And, you know, it just gets tired. I've been a Reds fan. I was a little kid when Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and all those guys were uh, the big red machine in 75 and 76. I was like 10 years old back then. Mm-hmm. So it was a great time to be a Little Laker. So I've been watching the Reds all these years, and it just seems like we've become a farm team for the New York Yankees. <laughs> you know, as soon as, as soon as we get a good player like a Castellanos or a Winker, the Yankees swoop in, and or a good pitcher especially, the Yankees swoop in and take them away, and we get these farm players that, you know, they say one of those works out to be a good player, then we get rid of them too. Right. It, it's frustrating. But anyway, that was just my input. I thought I'd give you a call. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to okay, call at any time. Okay, have a good one. You too. Bye. Yeah, I always appreciate the phone call. And, and yeah, for... The manager, it's it's a difficult situation, and, and I haven't called for his firing yet. I mean, I, I think I've even, I, I don't know if I called for or if I put uh, Zach Taylor, the uh, head coach over for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think I put him on the hot seat before I put David Bell on the hot seat uh, just because of the, the expectations that the Cincinnati Bengals have. But for the Cincinnati Reds this year, the one reason why I'm not, you know, firing it and saying, hey, you know, we, we got to fire and we got to get the, the better guy in there is because he, he just doesn't have, you know, the tools in that bullpen to really help him, right? I mean, he, he puts out anybody and there's a, a risk of giving up four or five runs. It, it's just crazy. And, you know, is it the management style? And I think today is an example of where, you know, David Bell was wrong with taking out his his starting pitcher, I think, especially after the big strikeout 
that he should have left him in there to try to close it out and whatever the rest of the game looks like, it looks like. But, you know, at 96 pitches, you know, what's the risk of letting him go one more? But either way, we got another caller on the sports fan. Caller, you are live. J.W., he's a sidekick, buddy. Hey, he, he went home. It's for a good reason. Joey went home for a good reason. And if he wants to share the reason, it's uh, he, he can share that on Monday. He's not going anywhere. It's, uh, you know, a family thing, but uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. Oh, no, that's cool. Yeah. I uh, I haven't been on the radio, so I just turned you on like five, ten minutes ago, so it sounds like the Reds didn't do well. But I'm going to disagree with the, your caller. I mean, I, I'm not a Reds fan. I'm a Chicago fan all the way. But I think David Bell is a good manager. And he, this guy, your guy that just called said, um, you know, he's got one of the best teams. Come on, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't have any pitching over there. I mean, what? What do you got in the bullpen? You know, I mean, you're, you you ain't got many choices. I'm sorry, you just don't. And I think he's doing pretty well what he's got. Now, what I think he needs to do is shake up that lineup. I've heard you guys talk about a couple of things, but I think Winker should be batting. <clears throat> uh, I think Votto's a clear number three hitter. I think uh, uh, Winker should be batting a cleanup or fifth, uh, or rotating with... Um, I think I ought to put that Tyler Naquin guy at leading off. I don't know if he's hurt or not, but he should be leading off. And keep cast, uh, the uh, second, uh, second the guy in the number two hole. I think Winker's a cleanup guy. And you need to maximize that, in my opinion. Well, yeah, uh, it, so it, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't know David Bell that well. Uh, but from what I've seen, he's not a bad manager, in my opinion. Right. I think he made a big mistake today. But I, I'm, I'm looking at it at, at 2020 vision, right? Because I, I see what, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a 2030, 2040 vision. Because as soon as you pull your starter, you kind of have an idea that the, the rest of your bullpen is not going to be good. I mean, you could have the foresight to, uh, to anticipate yeah, that. But, but it's not like you said you had 96 pitches. I mean, it's, a young, it's still young in the season. That's, you know, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, don't, I didn't see the game, so... And you can always second guess, but um, uh, overall, I like what I've seen of what the guy has done with what he's got, the hand he's got. Right. And he took him to the postseason last year, albeit it was an expanded yeah. postseason. Yeah. Um, uh, let me say, <laughs> you people, Dusty Baker, we've had him in Chicago. Dusty Baker is not going to take you. He's only going to take you so far. I, I feel bad that you feel you, you need Dusty back, but come on. Look at his track record. The guy has screwed up San Francisco, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, and Washington Nationals. Every, all those patterns. And he burns out pitchers, and they're never the same when he leaves a ball club. You don't need Dusty. <laughs> You don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got nothing for I mean, I, of course, I grew up as a Met fan, right? So I haven't I watched. Uh, well, we, you don't need Dusty. I'll never, and of course, I'll, I'll never forgive him for going to the eighth inning in 2003 with a three-run lead, ready to wrap up the World Series for the Cubs, and you got nobody warming up. I'll never forgive him. And, and uh, I've seen him make mistake after mistake. You don't need Dusty. 
I want to make a comment about yesterday, too. You were talking about uh, substances on, on pitchers. Yeah. Oh, man. Gaylord Perry and Don Sutton. These are, you know, spitballs. And, oh, man, it's been around as long as, as baseball's been around. Now, did yeah. you did you hear the interview from... Yeah, I heard. That was cool. I was just... I never... I, mean, I heard... You're right. I mean, come on. You, <laughs> is he a politician? You got it. I never heard an answer like that in my life. Like, are you, I don't know. Right. But that was he, ridiculous. He was also talking a little bit about what you were saying just seconds earlier about, you know, things that have been passed on I from know. generation to generation. But, I mean, that's not how you answer that question. No, and now, after the game, right? So he, and I'll talk a little Yankees and uh, Minnesota Twins, but uh, Garrett Cole struck out Josh Donaldson, and Donaldson went 0 for 5 in yesterday's game. So Garrett Cole... Uh, you know, it's smiling to himself a little bit after that performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but after the game, he tried to clarify his comments. Yeah. And he, um, it's for lack of a better term, he just went out and he said uh, that he was going to keep it in clubhouse. He's not going to discuss the matter any further. Oh, Lord. <laughs> See, that's just, just come on. That, that, that's, that's ugly stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I'm listening, buddy. Just wanted to call in and let you know I'm listening. But I, I just want to go on record with the other caller. I mean, we're all entitled to our opinion, but that's my opinion. Bell's all right. And who else are you going to get? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, you don't have a payroll. Who, who are you going to get to manage? I mean, come on. Yeah. All right, guy. Thanks. I'm listening, Connor. Bye-bye. Always appreciate it, JW. And, of course, if anybody else would like to jump on, 740-592-6646. I mean, you got both ends of the conversation, right? I mean, David Bell especially today, did not manage the bullpen correctly. And maybe it's because of his mismanagement of the bullpen that they have pitched so per, uh, poorly. However, I will give him credit for this season. You know, and I don't know if it's credit to the manager. I don't know if it's credit to the hitting coach. I don't know if it's credit to whoever. You know, maybe one of the analytic guys that, that the Cincinnati Reds have. Uh, but their hitting has been very good this year. And it's kind of been headlined by, by the two. I mean, Winker and Castellanos, of course. Um, but, you know, it's last year you had the pitching. And you had Trevor Bauer. And you had Anthony DiSclefani. And now, you know, you got DiSclefani over in San Francisco. And he's doing better than what he did with the Cincinnati Reds. You got Trevor Bauer, who was the National League Cy Young Award winner last year. And now he's doing, uh, you know, he's not the Cy Young this year. I mean, Jacob DeGrom and I'd say that outside of my whole Mets fandom, Jacob deGrom is having a Bob Gibson year, a pitching year where no other pitcher has had it since the year of, of the pitcher in 1968. Uh, so is, is Bauer a very good pitcher for the Dodgers? He's about on par with what he did last year, uh, maybe a, a tick or two, better or worse. But, um, you know, so you, you had guys that, you know, uh, Maybe I should put it this way. The Cincinnati Reds this offseason, I don't remember their offseason. They picked up Sean Doolittle, and I think that was their biggest acquisition of the offseason. Now, you had last year, right, where you had Mike Moustakis, and you picked him up, and he was your biggest signing in a couple of years, and, you know, it got turned on its head. You know, Moustakis didn't have the year that you thought he was going to have, but neither did any of your other hitters. I mean, your, your hitting last year was not consistent. It was you're going to hit the solo home run, and if you don't hit a home run and you don't have anybody in front of you, you're not going to score any runs. 
But now, now you have the hitting and you don't have the pitching. And your only pitching boost has been Sean Doolittle from free agency. And now you got a rookie who's up here who's doing a fairly, I mean, Gutierrez, you know, if there were any questions about him, and I get it, it's been three games that Gutierrez has pitched, but I have been impressed. He's not going to blow guys away. Maybe he's not a big strikeout guy. I mean, he had seven yesterday, walked a couple of guys, walked three of them, but it was his location and the crispness of his off-speed pitches that have been impressive so far, and that's going to play in the, in the MLB. That's going to play in the show. But then again, I mean, now you, you have some pitchers and uh, you know, a lot of hitting. Last year you had no hitting and a lot of pitchers. Or at least guys who can go out there and give you quality innings. And which is, again, you know, why I thought it was a bad, bad move to take out Luis Castillo. I'm listening to it on the radio. I mean, I'm almost here at the station every day. I'm listening to the game on the radio. Am I all right? That's a big strikeout. Castillo's got it. He just needs one more, and he can get out of the inning unscathed. And I was surprised to see that Sims was brought in. So was it a bad move by the manager, David Bell, today? I think so. It was, but it was a one bad instant, right? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, when Mickey Calloway was managing the Mets and he handed out the wrong lineup card, right? I mean, and, and then you, you lost an inning. You lost a couple of outs because they batted out of order. We're not talking about that. You know, David Bell has good qualities. You know, he, he's been able to take the Reds to the postseason. It was expanded last year, but he took them there. But then again, he gives you a game like this today where I don't know if he owns it. I don't know if, um, and, and it's, again, tough, right? Because you'd like to, all right, Castillo is going to go out on that high note. He got his strikeout. He's feeling good. He's pitched five and two-thirds. Let's keep him at 96 pitches. We're not too far into the, the season this year. And let's take him out and, and have him feeling good and build upon the success that he's had over the last couple of games because Castillo has gotten better, right? I mean, he's 2-9 and nine right now, and that's including today's game with a 6-4-7 ERA. But Castillo now, you know, instead of saying, all right, I feel good, I'm out of the game, you know, they put it into the hands of Sims, and Sims blows it for the Reds. And Sims is still relatively young. Right? I mean, Sims was the top prospect being brought up. He was even at the last Reds caravan. I mean, he, he spoke pretty well when he was here back in 2019, 2000. Uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't have the Reds caravan in 2020. But when he was here in Athens, he seemed like a good guy. He yeah, seemed like a top prospect. You had Marty Brenneman talking about him well, as well as a couple of other guys they had up on stage. But for Lucas Sims... You know, over his last seven games, and maybe this is why David Bell thought that it was going to be a good idea, bring in Sims. He's a hot hand out of the bullpen. Let's see what he can do. You know, he, had, he had an ERA of 137, uh, 135 over his last seven games in the uh, appearances, right? So he has gotten better out of the bullpen. But again, I don't see any issue with allowing Castillo to go out and stay in the ball game for one more, one more guy. And uh, if he was able to do that, I think they would have been all right. Um, and I'm 
trying to check now and see what what did he do against Castillo prior to, right? Maybe there's a good reason that Bell had pulled him uh, in, in that inning. But the guy who hit the double, Willie Adams. Adams went two for five in the game. Two for five, had the long RBI double, and struck out once, left five guys on base. He, he wasn't a guy that I don't think you were afraid of. You know, it wasn't Christian Yelich coming to the plate. I mean, Yelich was a, not too far away from you know, his MVP caliber seasons, and he's still trying. He's struggling, walked three times this, this game. Uh, but it's not Yelich coming to the plate. You know, it's a shortstop who's batting 234. Leave your starting pitcher in there. But it was a decision that David Bell made. It was a decision that, I don't know, if it, it, the decision in and of itself did not cost the Reds the game. What cost the Reds a game is because their bullpen could not keep the lead. And then the Milwaukee pitchers, uh, the Milwaukee hitters piled on and extended it to a 7-2 to win for them. And if you're able to keep the Reds off the board, if, if the Reds score four, five, six runs, you know, that, it, it's, it's a shame that they might, that might not even be enough to go out there and win the game. I mean, that's how much pressure is on this Reds offense to go out there and score day in and day out because he, they can't depend on their pitching staff and their bullpen to hold a lead. So even when this game was 2-1, to one, I was still thinking in the back of my head, you got to score more runs. At some point, Castillo's going to come out of this game and the bullpen is going to give it up. And lo and behold, bullpen gave it up. Uh, gave up six runs out of the seven. A couple of those runs were charged to Castillo because Sims was on the mound and Castillo left those two guys who walked uh, on, on the base paths. But it is what it is, right? I mean, the Reds lost a game. They're not out of it. And I still say, and I said in the beginning of the program, I still want the Reds to go out there and hit the trade deadline and try to get some pitching this season, whether it be, you know, a, a guy who doesn't have, you know, an extra year of eligibility on, on his contract, right, if he's a, a one-year rental, right, maybe the Reds can get something for a guy like that. Because if you can turn the bullpen around, and I'm going to exclude the starting pitching because I've seen improvements from the starting pitching, right? I mean, Sonny Gray, before he went down with injury, was going three strong. Castillo today, before he came out of the game, was going five strong. You had Gutierrez, who went seven strong yesterday, giving up two runs, striking out seven. So the starting pitching is starting to turn it around. But it's, again, the bullpen which lets down the Reds in today's game. And, again, it's a final of seven to two. With the Brewers back on top, Brewers are now 35 and 27 on the year, and the Reds are at 29 and 31. Still two games under 500. It's been a struggle to try to get back to 500. They came within one game twice over the past couple of days. Uh, but now you got a Colorado Rockies team that's coming into Cincinnati, and the Reds, if they want, and I hope, you know, if they want to back up with what they were doing against St. Louis, and if they want to continue, because you still. Have, if you look at it as a whole, I mean, it was a good week 
for Reds baseball. You lost two games to the Brewers. All right, it happens. They're the you know, best team in the Central right now. Could turn it around pretty quick. But now you got to take care of a Colorado Rockies team inside your home ballpark. You're not out there at Coors Field. The ball's not flying off the bat every single time it's hit. Don't have to worry about the elevation. Now, Reds got to beat the Rockies. If the Reds beat Colorado, it's a good sign, and I think the Reds should stick with it because they still have a lot of fun baseball to play left. Uh, it is only about a third into this season, and it's way too early to be saying, you know, the Reds are in, the Reds are out. I think the Reds are in. I think the Reds can be competitive, and I don't think that they should throw in the towel just yet. Uh, but you, you got to figure out a way to get this bullpen back up and going. Uh, he had success calling up Gutierrez. Gutierrez has uh, been a good arm. Castillo has started to turn things around. Sonny Gray, I hope he's all right. Back in the rotation, hopefully. But win the next series. Beat the Rockies. And we'll forget about you know, the uh, bad bullpen woes for a, uh, another couple of games. We'll take a break right here on the Sports Fan. On the other side, college football playoffs. Looking to expand to 12 teams. I want you guys to call in. I want to get your opinion on that. Do you think that the college football playoffs should be expanded beyond the four teams that are in it this year? Do you think that it should have been expanded past the two teams in the CFP? Your thoughts, your phone calls coming up next. Right here on the Sports Fan, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-362-2000-362-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. I'm a private real estate investor who can solve your real estate problems fast for cash. Do you want to sell and just be done with it? Okay, great. I buy vacant properties, boarded up houses, pre-foreclosures, and inherited properties. I also buy apartment buildings, rental portfolios, divorce homes. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. I look forward to solving your real estate problems today. Give me a call for an all-cash offer at 614-362-2000, 362-2000. My daughter Brinley is here at St. Jude. Coming here was literally life or death and it was so scary. But St. Jude is fighting for one goal, like this one mission, life. And that gave us hope. We haven't received a single bill from St. Jude, so I really can just focus on what's best for Brinley. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's Care from the Heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice. We celebrate life. 
Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. It's time to thrive outside. Spending time outside, like at an Ohio State Park, is a natural way to boost your mental health. Just 15 minutes in nature can restore you. The parks are for everyone to enjoy. Visit detourtrails.ohiodnr.gov to connect to a trail near you. Need more help? Call the Ohio Care Line at 1-800-720-9616 for free emotional support. Sponsored by the Ohio Departments of Natural Resources and Mental Health and Addiction Services. Aired by the OAB in this station. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Sports Fan 970 97.1 FM WATH. Mills the mic for about uh, nine more minutes as we Get up to CBS News at the top of the hour. College football playoffs are expanding. Well, it, it is recommended. It is not set in stone yet, but the CFP has completed the first thing that they needed to do uh, to put a 12-team college football playoff format in progress. Right? So right now, the next step in the process is for the 11-member management committee to review the recommendation at its upcoming meeting in Chicago, June 17th through the 18th. And for the college football playoff, right now it's at four. There are committee members that rank a top 25, and those top four teams, however they're ranked, that's what they're seeded. One plays four, two plays three, and then you get into the uh, uh, championship game. With this proposal, there will be a couple of different things. One thing that I like, one thing that's interesting is that the first round would be played at the highest or the higher-seeded team instead of a bowl game. That would be uh, number one that's interesting. I mean, if and I'm, I'm going to fantasize if there was a college football playoff game in, in Peden Stadium in Athens, Ohio, I think that would be fun. Even if you're an Ohio State fan, right? I mean, if you, if you want to say Ohio State is going to get home, home stadium advantage, I, I think that would be a fun game to travel up to uh, to get to Columbus for. I think that would be pretty good. That one might not be a fantasy. I mean, that, that might turn into a realization. Um, but you would have, you know, first round being at the home stadium at the highest seeded team's place. Then you'd have, uh, you know, the quarters, then the semis, and then the finals. I think the quarters would be the first way, uh, the first games that would be played in a bowl game, right? Because they still want to put a couple of importance, they want to put importance on bowl games played by, and, and keep the relationships between the bowls, their owners, and their sponsors, right? I mean, the, the bowl format has been around a while, and I think to keep people happy, they'll, they'll continue with the bowl format. Uh, for the quarters in the CFP. 
And then, obviously, for the semis and finals, things would probably be the same. So the way that they would put this at, and I had to read this a couple of times to try to figure out you know, what this actually means, is that the CFP, how I understand it, would still rank the top 25 teams. And if you are a team in the top 12, you would be eligible for the postseason. There would be the highest or the, the higher seeded teams would be four conference champions and they would get a bye. So the four highest conference champions that are seeded would get a bye. Then five through 12 would have to play in the first rounds. And that would be at the, uh, the highest seeded stadium. And this would be open to any team that's in the top 12. So you could have five different SEC teams. You could have, you know, 12 Pac-12 teams, whatever it is. There's not 12 teams in the Pac-12, but you get my, my thing. Or Big 12, whatever it is. But if this were to be a thing, last year it would have been number 12, Coastal Carolina, at Notre Dame. Number 11, Indiana, at number 6, Texas A&M. Number 10, Iowa State, at number 7, Florida. Number 9, University of Georgia, at 8, Cincinnati. So the Bearcats would host a playoff game. Then in the quarters, you'd have Oklahoma. The winner of Coastal Carolina, Notre Dame, you would have had them at Oklahoma at a bowl game. UGA, University of Cincinnati, maybe versus Alabama. Indiana and A&M. Whoever wins that game would have been at uh, a bowl game against Clemson. And then the uh, Iowa State and the Florida game would have been played against the third seed, Ohio State. And the reason why I had to read this a couple of times, just to try to understand, is that, you know, four highest-seeded conference champions get the bye. And I'm well, what about if... You know, the Mid-American Conference. All right, let's say Ohio was a seeded or ranked. Let's say they are 13th, right? CFP puts the Bobcats at 13th in the nation, let's say, right? Hypothetically. And they are a conference champion. They're outside of the top 12, and they would be ineligible for the, the fo- college football playoffs. I was just trying to figure, all right, so what, what conferences do determine get those top four seeds, right? I mean, what what championships do you value over other college championships, right? What, is the Mid-American Conference champion going to get a, uh, a bye? But then I, I'm just making the assumption that, you know, it is only the top 12 teams who will be in consideration. And then in that top 12, if you are a conference champion, you would get there. So let's say that Alabama's a champion, Clemson's a champion, um, Cincinnati's a champion, and uh, I don't know, I'll I'll go with Buffalo. Let's say University of Buffalo is ranked within the top ten of the nation, right? Let's, Let's make that assumption. 
So out of those four teams, let's say that Alabama is number one in the country, Clemson is number two in the country, and Cincinnati is number six, and you've got Buffalo at number 10. And there are no other conference champions above them. That is, let's, we're making assumptions here. Let's say that those are the top four teams. There are no other conference champions above them. So if that was in that order, your number one seed would be Bama. The number two would be Clemson. Your number uh, three would be Cincinnati. And your number four would be Buffalo. As the way that I read it. Because if, if Buffalo was the fourth highest conference champion, they would get the bye. So then even if you have the fifth team overall, the fourth team overall in the nation, let's say it's an SEC team, right? Somebody from the SEC is ranked second. They wouldn't have the, uh, the bye because they're not a conference champion. Alabama was a conference champion. And if Buffalo was the next highest conference champion, I think that they would go all the way up. That's how I interpreted the way that that press release was. It's interesting. It allows for more teams in the playoffs. It satisfies what many people were calling for last year for Coastal Carolina and for Cincinnati to get their shot at the postseason, so I like that. And I also think, you know, it, it's... I like giving more teams an opportunity to go out there and prove themselves for a conference champion. I, I, for, I like the underdog, right? I mean, you, you had a couple of teams. I mean, I'm tired of seeing Alabama win. Are they deserving to win? Yeah, they are. And Saban's got a great team year in and year out. Doesn't mean I'm not tired of seeing them go out there and win. No, I'm Notre Dame fan. I'd like to see the Irish win. Or, of course, alumni of the Bobcats. I'd like to see Ohio win. But, I mean, it's is what it is. That's been the Sports Fan. Big thanks to our callers right here at 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. I'm Connor Mills signing off. CBS News is next. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, FM.